Hallowed. Chapter 20. The Hermit. Trenton, the 1st of May, year 329 of the Hallowed Era. Drema, said Garthniel. How? That would make you at least 700 years old. No one lives that long, not even the Hallowed. With due respect, said the doctor, your race, you Adraeans and Illyrians, have not been around so long. There's much you do not know. How did you survive, asked Flame, if the entire archipelago sank into the ocean? I found the boat, said Isra. Frost scoffed. Right, and I'm the Queen of Rhinus. How stupid do you think we are? I expected that you wouldn't believe me, said the doctor. Calmly, she strode over to Garthniel's saddlebag and pulled Griot's sword out from its scabbard. This proves I'm hallowed, she said, grasping the sword firmly by the hilt. And this... She ran her other hand along the edge of the blade, drawing blood, then held the cutout for them to see. As they watched, the blood dried and the flesh knit back together until there was nothing on her palm, not even a scar. This proves that I have magic. How? began Flame. Because, as I said, I'm the last of the drama. We, along with the Helicans, were the only races to have ever been capable of magic. Garthno shook his head. Even if that's true... Why are you telling us this? Because it's the end of the world, said Isra. On Asteri, we believed that as hallowed, we were the guardians of the world. It was our duty to protect it, including from the threat of the harbinger. As the last of my people, it falls to me to carry out this duty, but I cannot do it alone. But you said you wouldn't help us find the harbinger, said Garthniel. Because it isn't necessary, said Isra. What do you mean? asked Avenel. Isra turned to gaze out the window. We had priests in Asteri. In anticipation of the Harbinger, they devised a solution, a means of saving the world. The Calamity claimed their lives before they could see it to fruition, but I know where they've hidden their work. And where is that? asked Garthniel. Asteri is gone now. It was never in Asteri, said Isra. They hid it in the north, past the Bay of Lights, far from where civilization might reach it. Garthniel glanced at Avenel. That's... that's quite far. I'm not even sure we can find a ship willing to go so far. It is, said Isra, which is why I required your assistance. Think on it if you must. Meanwhile, I believe Lord Avenel will want to speak with me alone. Avenel nodded and gestured toward the door. After you, Dr. Gray? Isra will do, said Isra. Neither of them spoke as they descended the stairs and walked out of the inn. Isra seemed to know the area well, and she led them down a secluded path that disappeared into the woods. When she stopped, it was by a stream that was little more than a trickle of water running over rounded stones. She pulled off her boots and dipped her toes into the water. "'You must be wondering,' said Isra, "'about Dina's role in all this.' "'Yes,' said Avenel. "'Do you think you're protecting her by lying to her about what she is?' "'I don't intend to lie forever,' said Avenel. "'She'll learn the truth when she's ready.' "'And who are you to decide when that will be?' asked Isra. "'Don't worry. I have no intention of telling anyone.' But how did you know? I know many things, said Isra. She wiggled her toes, stirring up the mud and clouding the stream. I know it snowed on the day you were born. Pardon? asked Avenel. On the day you were born. It snowed. The first snow of the season. It was beautiful. Were you there? Isra nodded. You were so weak, you know. You couldn't even cry. You were born so early that they hadn't expected you to live. I hadn't expected you to live, but you did. She looked up. 
Saving you hadn't been my intention, Lord Avenel, but I was responsible nonetheless. Should I thank you? asked Avenel. No, said Isra, looking away. It was, at best, a happy accident. She took the string of prayer beads from around her wrist, looping them over her fingers as she spoke. There are forces at work beyond your understanding, things put into motion before either of us were born. Your role is to protect Dina, and mine is to guide you north. Don't forget, I'm your best chance of keeping Dina alive. That doesn't answer my question, said Avenel. How do you know what Dina is? Isra sighed. You're a persistent one, aren't you? Would you believe me if I said that an angel told me? Trenton, the 1st of May, year 329 of the Hallowed Era. I think we should go with her, said Garthnil. Were you dropped on your head as a child? asked Frost. We don't even know her, and what she's saying is insane. Asteri priests, surviving the calamity, going all the way past the Bay of Lights? But she did magic, said Dina. And Flame could pull a coin out from behind your ear, said Frost. That wasn't a mere parlor trick, said Garthnil. He had picked up Greor's sword from where Isra had set it down. Blood still lingered on the blade. That was real. Even if it was, said Frost, that doesn't mean she's on our side. She might be working for the Harbinger. She might be the Harbinger. She could be, agreed Garthnil. But she could also be telling the truth. If this is really the only way to save the world, we can't afford to ignore her. Can we afford to walk into a trap? Look, said Flame, holding up his hands. I agree it's suspicious, but Garth has a point. We have no idea how to defeat the Harbinger. This woman is giving us our first real hint as to where to start. We can't very well ignore her. Let's just wait until Avenel gets back, and then we'll talk it over. Maybe I don't trust Avenel either, said Frost. Garthnil sighed. Frost, not this again. After everything that happened at the Meridian. So? She's obviously hiding something. Why else would she need to go talk to this Dr. Grey alone? She wouldn't, protested Dina. She's allowed to have a private conversation. Of course, said Flame, glancing at Frost, and I'm sure Frost of all people can understand that there are perfectly legitimate reasons for keeping secrets. Frost grumbled and crossed her arms. It wasn't long before Avnel returned alone. Have you decided what to do? she asked, closing the door behind her. We're still talking it over, said Garthnil. Where's Dr. Gray? She's talking with the innkeeper downstairs, said Avenel. I've already agreed to go with her. The rest of you are under no obligation to come with us. Uh, I'm going with you, volunteered Dina. Avenel smiled. I know. I've no intention of going anywhere without you. Garthnil thought for a moment. Then I guess I'm going too. Are you mad? asked Frost. We don't even know her. She turned to Flame. Flame! Sorry, sister, said Flame. I'm with Garth on this one. We have to take a chance. For a moment, Frost stared at them all, scowling. I'm going to go check on the horses, she said, and stormed out of the room. Flame sighed. I'll go talk to her, he said. She'll come around. Dina didn't see Frost again for the rest of the day, nor did she see much of the others, what with all the preparations that needed to be done for their journey. While Avenel and Garthnil spent the afternoon discussing the best route to take with Isra, Dina was handed a list of the provisions they would need. She was able to find most of the items on the list at Trenton's general store. The proprietor, an old man with only one good tooth left, was all too happy to help. A special discount for ye, proclaimed the proprietor, on account of being friends with Dr. Gray. Oh, said Dina, that's all right, I... Nonsense, nonsense, said the old man, I insist. No, it's fine, really, protested Dina. We don't even know Dr. Gray that well. But you're traveling with her, ain't you? 
Well, yes, but... Then I insist, said the proprietor. He held out his hand. A silver, please. A sil... I can't take all this for just a silver. The old man chuckled and patted Dina's head. Lassie, Dr. Gray probably won't remember me, but she saved me life the last time she passed by, back when I didn't have a copper to my name. I'm getting on in years now, and who knows when she'll be back again, so let this old man repay that kindness, hmm? Dina hesitated. I... I suppose. Atta girl, said the old man. I'll have my grandson bring everything in the morning. He took the silver from Dina's hand. Take care of her for us, all right? She's a good one at heart. Frost was still absent at dinner, and Flame came by for just long enough to gulp down some stew and shove a few rolls into his pocket. Are you taking those for Frost? asked Garthniel. That's not enough. Here, take some of this chicken. Thanks, said Flame, taking the offered chicken leg. Is she all right? asked Avenel. She'll be fine, said Flame. She's just sulking, it's how she is. Yeah, said Garthniel. He looked like he wanted to say something more, but Flame was already hurrying out the door. Perhaps you should go speak with her, said Avenel. Flame said she'll be fine, said Garthniel. I know she doesn't like it, but the rest of us all agreed. She doesn't need to come with us. She knows that, said Garthniel. She's my friend. I've never ordered her to go anywhere. He paused. But I hope she does come with us. Avenel nodded. Whatever her decision, she'll have to make it by morning. We don't have time to spare. I know, said Garthniel. Are you taking the first watch tonight? Wake me for the second. We're still doing watches? asked Dina. Just in case, said Avenel. It's better to be safe. Dina returned alone to their room. She read for a while, then undressed, brushed her hair, and crawled into bed. Just as she was on the cusp of sleep, however, the sound of voices from the room next door woke her again. The voices were too muffled for her to quite make out the words, but from the tone, it sounded like an argument. Her first thought was that it was Frost, but it wasn't Frost's voice, or anyone else that Dina knew, and besides, Frost's room was further down the hall. For a while, Dina just laid there, staring at the shadows cast by the moonlight streaming in through the shutters, waiting for whoever it was to stop arguing and go to sleep. When the argument showed no signs of stopping, she pulled the covers up over her head and covered her ears with her pillow, but none of it was enough to block out the sound. She sat up. Avno had said that they were to set out at dawn, and she had enough experience on the road now to know how awful it was to bounce along in the saddle after a poor night of sleep. Perhaps the people next door didn't realize how loud they were or how late it had gotten. The moon was bright enough that Dina didn't need to light a lamp as she slipped out of bed and into the hall. She paused a moment at the door of the room beside hers, but the voices were still too muffled for her to make out the words. She knocked. Hello? Could you keep it down, please? It's late. There was no response. The voices continued as before, as though the speakers hadn't heard her. She knocked again, a little louder this time. Hello? I'm trying to sleep. Still, the voices continued. She knocked a third time, and when there was still no reply, she turned the doorknob and found the door unlocked. The room was empty. She stood there for a moment, confused. The voices were definitely from this room, but where? They were whispers now, and she stopped and stood still to listen for where they were coming from. It seemed, implausible as it was, that they were coming from a small wooden box sitting open on the nightstand. Inside, nested in a bed of velvet, lay a string of black prayer beads, smooth and shiny in the moonlight. Curious, Dina reached for the beads. Unknown. Unknown year of unknown era. She was the disembodied girl again, but the memories were autumn leaves in a whirlwind, a cacophony of fiery reds and golds that swirled around her. No, they were the sand in an hourglass. No, they were the salty spray of a storm. 
No, they were shards of glass that cut her as they flew past. No, that was wrong. They were all wrong. It was an endless cacophony of colors and sounds that hurts as nothing had ever hurt before. Stop. She was the disembodied girl, but there was no stranger, no eyes to see through. The memories were a fire that enveloped her, consumed her, and burned her everything, but she had no mouth to scream. Stop, please, it hurts. She saw a ruined schoolhouse with blood on the stones, a quartet of youths laughing on a beach, a circle of figures in golden robes, a smoldering crater in a field of ice. Please, I don't understand. A tawny-skinned woman coughing blood into her hands, a fallen city swallowed by the sea, a corpse cut open from collared groin, an empty glass casket with its lid askew. Avenel, somebody, help! And through it all, a single voice emerged from the chaos. Izzy, I think I'm dying. And the sound tore her heart in two. Trenton, the 1st of May, year 329 of the Hallowed Era. A hand landed on Dina's shoulder. What are you doing in my room? It was all Dina could do to bend over and wretch. When she looked up again, it was to see Isra handing her a cup of something dark. Drink, said Isra. You'll feel better. The liquid inside was so bitter that Dina almost gagged again, but she forced it down. It was a while before her stomach settled enough that she felt she could speak. At some point, though Dina hadn't noticed when, Isra had picked up the prayer beads from where Dina had dropped them on the floor. What were you doing in my room? asked Isra again, taking away Dina's empty cup and handing her a full one. This time it was only water. I, I thought I heard voices. Voices? I don't know, said Dina. She could no longer hear the voices, and the prayer beads looked to be just beads, sitting inert on Isra's nightstand. I don't... Maybe I was just sleepwalking. Do you usually sleepwalk? asked Isra. No, admitted Dina. I'm sorry, I really thought there were voices. What did they say? asked Isra. What did you see? I don't know, said Dina. It was all... It was all kind of a blur. And it hurt. What was that, anyway? A dream, said Isra. But I just said I wasn't sleepwalking. Then pretend it was a dream, said Isra. It isn't important. You shouldn't have been in my room. I'm sorry, said Dina. She set down her cup. I... Let me help you clean up. No, said Isra. You've done enough. Go back to bed before Avenel notices your absence. Dina nodded. I'm sorry, she said again. She was about to leave, but Isra grabbed her by the wrist. Wait. Yes? Whatever you saw. Whatever you think you saw. If you say a word of it to anyone, especially Avenel. Her hand squeezed tight around Dina's wrist. You're hurting me, said Dina. I know, said Isra. Physicians can harm as well as heal. Remember that. End of chapter 20